Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Agrita Dandrell, and you're listening to the Mindful of Everything podcast, which calls for revolutionary healing of self and community in order to outgrow our broken culture of radical individualism and disconnection from community to collectively re-envision a safer, healthier and equitable world. Today we're joined by Tiffany Chiu. The reason why you're hearing that voice now loud and clear is because you're also ready to face it. And I say that because sometimes we haven't heard that voice in the past because it might be too overwhelming for us, right? It might, um, we might feel like there's not that space to be held. And that's really when trauma happens. Trauma happens when we internalize a situation and like not all the pieces are connecting. We don't have that space to really fully you know, integrate that experience within ourselves and process it. Tiffany calls herself an inner child advocate, community cultivator, and human connector. As a child of refugees, specifically of the Vietnamese diaspora in the 1970s, Tiffany has spent the last five years of her adulthood exploring how family trauma from surviving a war has shaped how she relates herself and those around her. She believes our inside and outside worlds are much more connected than we're given space to acknowledge. And she currently loves exploring how personal and collective rituals allow us to bridge our inside to our outside, from meditative visualizations to communal celebrations. Hi, Tiffany. Welcome to Mindful of Everything. And thank you so much for accepting to join us in this space today. Of course. Thank you for making space for me and like just um, having me here to talk to you. Yeah. So the last time we actually talked, it was like the first time that we you know, met each other and got to know each other. Since then, I've been just so excited and energized for our conversation today because when we first met, we already shared so much wisdom and so much insight into the topic today. But I think this topic of inner child work is something that I deeply connect with and I do hope that the audience feels the same. So to be able to discuss it with you in the show today it is so exciting. So I think it'd be lovely if we could start off by you sharing your experience in your journey to healing your inner child and how you came about to advocate for it. Mm, yeah, of course. Thank you so much for that lovely introduction. You have a great <laughs> podcast, just like <laughs> personality too. Yeah, I, I'm wondering actually before we dive into it, is it okay if we like take a few breaths together and just yes, sure. ground ourselves a bit. Cause I know sometimes talking about like inner child things, I think it takes a while to kind of tap into that. So yes, that would be great. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I can guide us. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take a moment to lean back a bit for sitting down, talking to the viewers too. And just feel your feet the ground, the seat beneath yourself. And if it helps, we can place our hands on our heart and on her belly. And just checking in with where we are today. Maybe we don't want to sit still and we want to stretch our bodies a little. (sighs) Maybe we take a big exhale and sigh. And I think that in our conversation today, I just want to invite us to bring in the part of ourselves that might not get to show up in everyday society, that might not get to have space in the adult world, and that they can come out today and share a little bit about themselves too. 
And if it feels good, we can take a nice deep breath into our belly, moving it up to our chest, a big open mouth exhale. And take a moment to just stretch. And if your eyes are closed, then you can slowly open them. I hope everyone listening, if you're driving, that you did not close your eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for giving me space to do that. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's a wonderful way to start a discussion that encourages you to think so deeply about yourself and reaches into areas that perhaps you want to forget or you don't want to address anymore. Maybe you've outgrown that within your own healing journey. Mm -hmm. It's always um, fruitful to look back to see how much you've evolved. And I think starting off with this peaceful tone was, is a really important thing. So thank you for that. You're welcome. I needed it too. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Could you share with me the question that you're asking at first again? Yeah. So it would just be great if you could just tell us, you know, when did you or how did you start to acknowledge that you are in this journey of inner child work of healing the inner child Mm -hmm. and how you came about to advocate for it and to also inspire other people to do the same Mm, yeah such a big question that I think um I am learning to communicate externally better as well but I I feel like all of us have an inner child and so when I was introduced to the concept of inner child I think it was just so refreshing and so opening for me. And um, that itself unlocked the inner child that brought the curiosity to learn even more, right? So it's this um, like self-perpetuating cycle in a way, one of the best cycles, I would say. And this was right now it's 2022, which is really crazy to say, but I would say, I think it was 2018, maybe like three, four years ago when I was introduced to the concept of self-parenting. I think I always have been the kind of person who has been in touch with her inner child. Um, but I think having that external world word self-parenting, having the external kind of evidence that this concept existed really gave me permission to dive deeper. And so back in 2018, um, I was working my first job out of college as a exhibit designer. I was feeling pretty miserable with my commutes. That was like an hour and a half each way. And I was really in an environment where imagine, you know, being a young 20 something in an environment where everyone is around in their forties, you know, or older have really been like well adapted to the professional life as well. And so every day when I came into work, I felt this um, insecurity that I wasn't enough that I didn't fit in because I wasn't, you know, there yet or mature or older. And I I found a lot of solace trying to think about the ways that I could express that younger part of myself um, without feeling shame, without being called like, oh, you're just a millennial, you know? And so I actually got in touch with her when I was thinking about how to express myself in the office space. And I started making these earrings. And I made it out of Shrinky Dink, which is this... Do you know what Shrinky Dink is? Have you ever... No? no? Okay. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure they they have this like internationally as a product for kids, but it's this like thin piece of plastic and you can draw on it or print something and then pop it into the toaster oven and it will shrink up and harden. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think like you would love it. Everyone loves it because when you put it in the oven, it's this magical experience to see. And so I started making these uh, fruit earrings for myself. Um, the first pair I made was these banana earrings. And I was just like, like, oh my gosh, this is a way I can be myself without needing to you know, use my voice before I'm ready, before I feel like I can like physically take up space. I could just take up space through my ears, my ear, <laughs> my ear jewelry. Yeah. And so that was really my first exposure to um, connecting to my inner child in in an environment that didn't feel as comfortable. And 
then going back to that book I was mentioning, The Self-Parenting Guide, um, I think it was around the time when I was just kind of, yeah, just noticing I was struggling with work. My partner actually sent me a package and he bought it through Amazon. So, you know, to get free shipping, he ordered an extra item for himself. <laughs> and he was like, Tiffany, I ordered something for you, but there's this book that's actually for me. So if you could just keep it, that'd be great. When the package arrived, I totally forgot that he said that. And I don't remember what the other thing was that he got me, but like, I just read the book and I loved it. Um, it was recommended by his therapist and it was called Self-Parenting, A Guide to Inner Conversations. And as I was reading it, what I was saying before was it laid out this concept that the reason why you feel this inner conflict within, whether it's, you know, between the voices inside yourself or between your internal world and your external world, those experiences are valid because we all have different parts of ourselves. And reading that book really launched everything for me more solidly, I, I suppose you could say. <laughs> I liked how you mentioned that it's totally valid to feel that conflict between our different bodies or the different worlds that actually make up who we are mm. and our experiences of them. You mentioned obviously self-parenting, but then you also have inner child work. How do those two connect with each other, interplay with each other? Mm -hmm. And how can we actually find a sort of middle point or maybe stability within those two roles, I would say, and the way in which we connect with them? Yeah. That's a great question. I was actually just thinking about this an hour before we talked <laughs> and we mentioned it briefly like um, in our last conversation too. I feel like the people who coined the terms might, you know, have different ideas of this, but I feel like inner child work or when you hear inner child work or inner child healing, I feel like that's kind of like the first step to this, this journey. You know, I think of like healing journeys there's like kind of different avenues you can take and and some people start in a different avenue and everyone kind of gets to the same place, you know, in different ways. But I feel like for your 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 childhood healing, a lot of it kind of comes from like inner child work, inner child healing first. The reason why I say that is because when I hear self-parenting, I feel like that's it takes a bit more like finessing inside of yourself, if you know what I mean. But when I think of like when you're first exposed to this, what you're really doing is is you're making space for your inner child and and you're really learning to connect with her. And I think after once you establish that, that's when for me, I started kind of connecting with my inner parent more and then understanding, you know, what do you need inner parent? And like, how can you balance your needs with your child too, if that makes sense? A solid example of this is is like I've kind of noticed how like for me I've been I've been actually focusing on healing around my sexuality and I noticed that a big resistance for me for that was because when I was younger my parents didn't really have boundaries when it came to their own physical intimacy or like they never told me like oh okay this is our time now you know um instead that was just it felt like it was just an, an invisible world that they never had their own needs. And so now it's helpful for me to connect with my inner parent and be like, okay, little Tiffany, like now I'm going to have my like adult pleasure time, you know? So like, I don't have to take care of you. And I feel like, like that's actually, it took me a while to even notice my inner parents needs because before it took so many years for me to nurture my inner child, which if you think about it as a metaphor in parenting, right? Like, like the first couple years of being a parent, you really have to, you know, take care of your child and nurture them because they don't really understand boundaries or like they, they can't survive without you really. Um, so, so that's how I would differentiate yeah. between the two. So when I was actually in the process of reaching out to you, I obviously had to do my research. <laughs> so going on your mm. social media pages and also your article that you've written on Mind Body Green, which is basically a guide to healing your inner child. And I think that whole article really formed the structure of um, what I really wanted to ask you. Yeah, there were so many different points that you could pick out, but you specifically talked about ruptures or chronic ruptures 
which turn into wounds, particularly um, in childhood, mm. if they are not given the right amount of time and energy to heal them. Oftentimes, those ruptures can appear in adulthood as well. And in some way, a lot of the time, actually, those ruptures that we experience in adulthood, they are connected to our childhood. I think it takes a lot of practice of um, self-care and self-love and just healing in general mm -hmm. to actually connect the dots. So we would love to hear your thoughts on how we can begin that process of realizing that certain things that pop up in um, our adulthood is really because the ways in which we processed our traumas or internalized them as children or we were conditioned to do that we've carried them forward and we haven't really outgrown them in time. So yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts on that. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Well, I do want to say that what if I ever mention something and you relate to it, or you want to share your personal experiences too, I would love to hear that. I, I do want to credit um, a few people in helping me learn about like these terminologies, like ruptures, um, that's something that when I was doing that article, um, I was interviewing Dr. Trish Phillips, um, and she's a therapist and really taught me about how, you know, like the rupture and repair. And also my, my therapist, she introduced me to this book called The Power of Discord. Um, and I'm dropping resources in case people like to, you know, follow up on things. Um, but that book is really about how, you know, it's not about avoiding like ruptures, which um, for folks who that's the first time you've heard that, you know, you can think of like a volcano, volcanic eruption, but instead it's kind of like these, these little, like these little wounds, these little things that come up and rather than putting a bandaid over it, um, maybe we can try to find the root cause of it and really address the, the root feelings, emotions, memories behind it as well. So those are two big resources that helped me understand that better. Going back to your question, you're, you're asking like, how can we begin to examine how our, how our adulthood kind of triggers connect back to our childhood? Yeah, I, I can share some things that I feel like I'm personally going through um, and then also connect it back to how you can know when something is, is coming back to your childhood. Um, the simple answer is most things are connected to your childhood. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like I can spend hours talking to like my friends and like people in my circles who are very familiar with inner child work. And, you know, it always comes back to something in our younger days. Mm. But a, a clear sign is, you know, if, if there's something that we cannot lodge, it's like we, we get triggered by and it's just deeply emotional. And no matter how much our adult selves tries to reason it out and, and say, yes, we're totally okay. Like, I'm definitely not mad. I'm definitely not, not sad. This definitely doesn't hurt me. I think that's a clear sign that there's something that it's, it's not, it's not that your adulthood, your adult self can't get over it. You know, I think the word we're taught to like get over things a lot. Right. But that's a clear sign that there's something deep inside of you that is ready to heal. And the reason why you're hearing that voice now loud and clear is because you're also ready to face it. And I say that because sometimes we haven't heard that voice in the past because it might be too overwhelming for us, right? It might, um, we might feel like there's not that space to be held. And that's really when trauma happens. Trauma happens when we internalize a situation and like not all the pieces are connecting. We don't have that space to really fully, you know, integrate that experience within ourselves and process it. I'm going to pause there because that was a lot already and then make space for you to <laughs> have comments or share anything. Yeah, definitely. Kind of linking back to what you mentioned at the beginning, creating boundaries is something that we as children don't know how to do or aren't taught to do that. A lot of the time we are labelled as our parents' offspring or our parents' property in indirect ways. Coming from my own experiences, I'm Indian and a lot of the time my personality was essentially a product of my parents. You know, I came across as what 
not just my parents, but also adults wanted to see me as, you know, whether that's your parents, whether that's your teachers. And a lot of people talk about this actually in terms of children's rights. They essentially don't exist. If you look at law, policies, and also children being able to give consent even, it's always based on their parents and their carers. Mm. Never thinking, well, okay, I understand that a five-year-old maybe or a 10-year-old won't have as deep of an understanding of certain things that adults do, and they do need that guidance. But I think if we undermine the potential that children have of making their own decisions, of making space for themselves, asking for it, and encouraging that, I think is just so important. And that's exactly why I say that, you know, I was so excited to talk to you today, because it's something that I've struggled with as a child, and I've seen that come across being unable to make those boundaries and yeah, just being unable to take up space that we have right to do so. Mm. Yeah. I just want to make some space to soak that in. I feel like part of this consensual culture that you're talking about too, I think is like just really taking the time for ourselves to absorb information too. And I feel like what you just said is a very big vision for the world. Yeah, definitely. Um, we say that the younger generation is our future, but if we're not taking care of what will be our future, then how can we envision a world that will be sustainable, that will sustain future generations and will be a space for innovation and for reimagination of just how we're living? That is just something that needs to be incorporated into every single aspect of society to understand that every every living being or every space even that we typically don't see as living, so like our landscapes, our homes, everything needs to be respected because everything is connected in a sense. So if we undervalue a certain connection of the undervalue a member of our wider community, then it will affect all of us in the future. And so I think because children are more vulnerable in the sense that their rights and their basic survival is just dependent on adults, mm. adults have that right to make sure that children are in that safe environment. And if they do sense anything, even if you're not directly related to that child, to just step in and be there for them. Now being out on myself, I need to try to be more aware of, you know, how children are being treated or and just allowing them to express themselves. Yeah. Ah, uh, I feel <laughs> excited and also sad at the same time. Mm. Yeah, because what you just said, I, I have felt for a long time too. Yeah. And I think that the best way that we can be there for kids actually is also to be there for ourselves. Mm. A lot of times we, when I'm around kids and if I ever feel frustrated with them, I always think of myself, Tiffany, is this a, were you not allowed to do this as a child? Are you mad at your own self, you know? And usually that is the case. And I feel that when we let ourselves really feel how we were as children, um, we naturally also make that space for not only kids, but other adults in our lives too, other people. Yeah, very true. Yeah. And I think a part of creating that space for yourself and encouraging children or younger people to make that space for themselves is to have the freedom to express yourself, particularly through creativity or even free play, that's something that you focus on in your work as well. And I think this whole pleasure-centric healing is just, is so important, you know, listening to your body, what your material body or the different bodies that make up who you are want and trying to align them. And as children, we are actually encouraged to, you know, be creative, uh, explore with our imaginations. But as soon as we enter adulthood, or where within that teenagehood to adulthood sort of phase, we just lose that touch with our creative sides. 
Uh, so many people say that art is therapy, art is life, or life is art. But then we suddenly go out of touch with that. We start following a structure that institutions have formed. And that in itself is a violation of our right to live in a way that makes us happy. So I just love to hear your comments and your feelings about that. How can we label emotional expression or creativity, the things that are traditionally seen as childish? How can we reincorporate that into our lives, reintegrate it? And why is it so powerful to actually label that as play or to label it in a way that helps us connect to our inner child and actually see that adults need it too? It's not just something that's limited to children. Yeah. First of all, I feel like whenever you're um, asking all these questions, my mind, the neural connections are just going wild right now. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to give myself a chance to just answer whatever comes up and, and trust that yes. um, you can follow up with a question um, if you want me to go deeper and things like that too. I'm, I'm really happy that I get to have several conversations about our inner child, connecting to our inner child throughout the years, because I kind of noticed how you, you mentioned that everything is connected in our lives, right? Um, you mentioned like people and environment. And I also think that the systems that bring us up and hold us down are also connected to all of this too. Um, a big part of why we don't encourage play and creativity the way that we do as kids, I would, I would even say creativity and play is limited as children too, in, in many ways as well. But I feel like that's it's highly connected to the education system and how we're trained to be employees and workers first and foremost. Yeah. And that connects to living in a capitalist society too, because there becomes a certain point where you you can't just make things for fun anymore because then how would society exist? How would it function? How would you contribute to the economy, you know? And and so I think that's a big reason why our creativity and play gets cut off um, at a certain age and in a certain way, uh, even as we're born. And it's good to acknowledge that because I think that in the healing world, I think there's this big phenomenon for self-healing um, and self-help, but I think it's also very important to acknowledge that there's these bigger factors outside of ourselves that we can't control as much and that helps us be easier in ourselves throughout the process too. I'll pause there for now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, just a major part of it is understanding your needs. And a lot of the time, kind of linking back to how children, yes, we are allowed to express ourselves in creative ways that are limited to childhood. But in the same way, we are restricted in so many different ways. And it's really weird because if you can allow someone to openly express what they imagine, what they wish to see in the world and and to suddenly tell them well you are you know you are the property of somebody else or your life is fully dependent on you know an adult that or a family that you've been born into and you didn't have any sort of decision to choose uh, which environment you're born into I think that's just really crazy is it just reflects how distorted our world has become and it's very difficult to pick out the sense from that. That's, that's why I believe that as children, since we don't have as many responsibilities, and since our childhood really forms a foundation of who we become in the future, we can of course change the sort of traumas we've experienced as children, toxic habits perhaps we've picked up. Mm. But that foundation of your life will always be there. And unfortunately, we can't change it. We can obviously move forward from it, but it will still be there. So if from the start, like you said, from birth, we are still in some ways restricted, our families suddenly start putting responsibilities on us. Like, oh, she'll become this, she'll become that. She'll support her sister. And yeah, I just feel like if from the start, we were given that right to just live life how it is, not to have to worry about 
what we will contribute to society as we grow up and to just focus on having that safe space where you can actually express yourself and be that creative person that you wish to be. I think that's that's literally so important. That really forms a foundation of any sort of healing work you get to do as you grow older and perhaps you have that freedom to take control of your life again. So I think all forms of healing work that we do really needs to start from childhood. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's just so, yeah, just talking about inner child work is so important. And I really hope that the listeners feel the same way and they can, this can be like an opportunity for them to reconnect to their child, inner child that they perhaps haven't done so in some time, or maybe they are on that journey, but they do need that motivation to continue to go on. Mm. Yeah. Like I said, um, before, when you asked me like how this journey even started, um, it's funny because I thought that it started when I read the self-parenting book, but actually it started way before that. And so I think anyone listening, I know that all of you have already started doing this work. It's just whether or not you consciously have the words to describe it. And I want to say that because sometimes we discredit ourselves with our, with our inner knowing and our power and our wisdom. And um, something that you said before, there's two thoughts. I wanted to connect. You were saying how you use the word childish, you know, because I think that there's this negative connotation with being a kid. And I also feel that living in the world that we do, sometimes there's this fear that if we connect to our child, inner child so much, um, we should do like a word count of how many times we say inner child. <laughs> but if, if we connect to that part of ourselves too deeply, that we won't want to do our everyday chores you know we won't want to go to work we don't want to do this or that but actually I feel like this goes even deeper than like your inner child right it's like your ancestral wisdom we talked about decolonizing ourselves too and the different multiple bodies that we have like our our body's wisdom too Um, I feel like when we listen to that that's actually when we get to do things in a way that is that we're meant to do do things in a way that is sustainable for ourselves energetically as a society, not not economic, but like environmentally, you know, even economically probably too. (laughs) I I need to explore what the word economical means here. But yeah, I feel like when we can tap into that childhood self, that's actually when we can establish balance within ourselves. Because as we may know, when we when we suffocate and when we deny parts of ourselves, there's always ways that it comes out. Whether it's overspending, you know, on a sticker collection, <laughs> or like calling myself out here, um, or or like just overindulging in certain things and feeling guilty about it, and it always comes out in different ways. And so, there's nothing that is too childish. It's just a matter of how can we really let ourselves balance that out in our lives. And the second thing I wanted to bring up, because this is kind of funny, I went down a rabbit hole to like get to know who Elon Musk was. Oh, okay. And um, just wait for how I connect this. So, you know, I I, I never really understood the hype around Elon Musk. You know, I'm very neutral about him. Mm -hmm. And so I started looking up YouTube videos about him and in the comment section, you know, that's where things get spicy. There are people who are just like adoring him so much and is like, he's like the genius that's going to save the world. And everyone's like, give him all the resources and time and energy to, to like establish this, um, whatever he wants to work on. Cause he's like a genius. I just thought like, oh my goodness, if we treated every child like this, you know, I, I think I think this can feel idealistic to say this, but if we just treated every single child like this, like how we pe- put Elon Musk on this pedestal, that's how we unlock all the geniuses in the world, actually. And and the word genius can also come up in many different ways that we might not think as well. I just thought it was hilarious when I read those comments. <laughs> and at the same time, in the context of everything, I, I also felt, wow, this is very ironic at the same time. Yeah, I just wanted to share that because <laughs> it came up recently. Yeah, I mean, that is amazing how you picked out the positive of that because obviously he is such a big figure in science and 
I mean, it extends beyond science too. And there's so much controversies around, you know, just how he is and how he works and etc. But that is really important actually to actually make children understand that every single one of us, we have that inherent wisdom. We have that ancient wisdom that has been carried forward by ancestors, that has been carried forward by ancestors perhaps that we aren't directly connected to. But like I said, if we are all connected within this web that we call um, earth, then we all carry that wisdom. And I think helping children to understand that their values, the way in which they think is so important, those sort of thoughts and emotions can actually evolve to become something so big for the world later on when they get um, to that stage. Mm -hmm. That is definitely a way to revolutionize healing you know that's something that we talk about in this podcast yeah it's definitely such a big thing you've picked up on because a lot of the time as children we're told that you don't have a right to talk on this subject because you don't have that experience i want to link that back to bipoc communities since we're both from them and we have been conditioned to believe that you know adults they know more uh, elderly people especially they know the most so we should respect that and that power dynamic in a sense in our relationships mm. um, the sort of power hierarchy mm -hmm. and the relationship hierarchy that we set based on that children don't have a right to be talking about certain things that perhaps makes adults uh, uncomfortable or dips into certain things about adults themselves that perhaps they don't want to confront mm. and, and then a lot of the time I think that's where childhood traumas really begin, when children realise that I actually don't have a life of my own. And I think it's quite difficult to then imagine a life where you do have that freedom to express yourself how you want to express yourself. And I think that's why we're seeing this epidemic of mental health conditions, because a lot of us just don't know how to come across as just ourselves. And not to conform to what society views as the most successful person or a person who deserves to be a world leader, mm. um, a person who is put on that pedestal and their values and their opinions should be replicated within society. So I've kind of twisted <laughs> what you've said, but... No, you're great. I love it. Yeah. Again, it really starts from allowing children to understand that their emotions, their their thoughts on certain things are valid. And mm -hmm. again, it's just pushing this idea of if they are our future, then we must allow that future to grow. We must not nurture that and um, see how they blossom mm -hmm. into hopefully change makers because in terms of the climate, the ecological, the political climates that we have right now, it's quite difficult to grow up in that, I can imagine. And we just need to allow them to have that space mm -hmm. to explore life themselves and to just present themselves in the ways that they feel comfortable. Yes. Ah, I love it. Um, yeah, there's so much there. I almost wish that I know people are listening to this. I almost wish that like everyone could be part of this conversation, have like a worldwide, you know, <laughs> day where, where we could do all these things. Yeah. Somehow, somehow find a platform like Zoom or <laughs> where you could invite everybody to talk about it. It's just so mm -hmm. important. And very few people talk about it. It is definitely increasing. People are becoming more aware. Mm-hmm that they do need to acknowledge how they've evolved as people, the different stages of that journey and being proud of where you've come from and where you're going to. Yeah, you're, you're talking about this passing on the baton to younger generations and, and this relationship, the intergenerational relationship that we have as well. And I think there's always been this, you know, conflict with the younger generation and like, the older generation, whether it's like the mean, like, okay, boomer and all these things. And yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like I'm at a point where I can start understanding my parents' generation more rather than blaming them and pointing fingers to. And I think part of 
growing older is also being aware that that one day you're going to have to also admit that you don't know everything and put us putting aside your own ego and knowing that you can learn from people who are coming after you as well and that way it can be this symbiosis there's a word for this a good symbiosis is not the word but you know when something helps one another <laughs> mutualism there you go yes <laughs> um, yeah there's there's that mutual growth and support and acknowledgement that respect really there's this respect and i feel like that's that's the only way that we can continue as a human species too i feel like sometimes we forget that we're a species you know and that like we could drive ourselves into extinction too yeah. <laughs> um even if it's not within our, our lifespan yeah literally thank you for mentioning that because a lot of the time when we talk about inner child work we obviously have to be talking about intergenerational traumas that have carried forward and how that shaped us as children and then as adults and if we go on to have children or if we're in contact with children how our experiences or the traumas that uh, we've carried forward or our parents and grandparents carried forward and we unfortunately carry them forward too until we obviously tend to those traumas i think this whole concept of transgenerational traumas and habits that we need to outgrow of it is not an opportunity to blame generations before us but rather an opportunity to tend to those traumas that perhaps they didn't get the time or energy themselves to heal and like i said if we're all connected we're all part of this wider community so then we all have a responsibility mm-hmm. to take care of each other that really starts from home and everyone who is in your immediate home so your family your closest friends your animal companions as well <laughs> um just understanding that yes there were mistakes or certain things done in the past that are outdated mm-hmm. or needed to be outgrown and they weren't but if we have the power to acknowledge that and then to to actually work on it i think that's just so powerful and at the same time we're helping the older generation to understand that that in itself is really powerful uh, a lot of the time people think well if you just say that these traumas that you experienced as a child they were brought forward by your family or your ancestors and they think that you know you're just blaming them and you're not really coming up with a solution instead of understanding that this is an opportunity to actually sit down with your family your older relatives and to say well okay this and this happened but did you know that because of that it has also affected mm-hmm. me either for example if mothers a birth mothers if they experience some sort of trauma when they're pregnant that biologically impacts their child and psychologically as well but also growing up and seeing if your parents are really stressed about something or if they're immigrants and they've experienced racism or they've experienced some sort of economic difficulty you know any sort of thing and actually telling them well it doesn't matter that happened mm-hmm. but now we need to see how we can grow from that we can grow from that together it's a collective thing so i think really putting community at the center will help people understand that this is not a blaming game everybody's in it together and if people have made mistakes if people have been abusive mm-hmm. we can hold that space to have those conversations and if the other person is not willing to have them then mm-hmm. at least you can have that with yourself and hopefully connect with mm-hmm. people who mm-hmm. will connect with you as well and will have those conversations with you as well yeah most definitely My friend says that whatever you do in this lifetime carries seven generations forward and backwards. So it's a lot. Yeah. It's cool that you said backwards as well. A lot of the time we just think about the future and not really the past. Mm. You know, that's already happened. What do we do with that now? We can't change that. Mm. But our past will always affect our present and future. Yeah, um I feel safe sharing this here but you know when my grandma passed away um last year I call her my bolai my maternal grandma that was my first experience really connecting with an ancestor soul and I feel that 
whenever now I, I want to make a decision and I feel like torn by it and it's connected to my freedom and, and helping me feel more free. I consult her and I feel like when I choose the thing that sets me free, it also makes her happy. And I feel like it also heals some of those wounds from before too. So yeah, that's, that's the generation backwards that I feel. Yes, thank you so much for sharing that experience. Um, a lot of the time when people are mourning, they obviously are focusing on what they've lost. But as you begin to carry on living and mm. you realize that you haven't really lost anything. In fact, you've gained a lot, a lot of wisdom, um, a lot of time to reflect on yourself and certain relationships that may, maybe you had a deep bond with or perhaps mm. you didn't get that time to deepen that bond or it could have been a rupture in that it's a very painful period for sure but it's very transformative as well mm -hmm. so thank you for sharing that of course of course yeah I I was talking to my partner about how it's like to like mourn mourn someone's death and I feel that um, I never got it before until until like I lost someone close to me I went through that process and it's not like you wish it never happened. It's just like you need time to just sit with the, the truth of it. You don't want anything to be different or change. It's just sitting with what happened and knowing that that's all right. Yeah. 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 I think that's just so important. Just sitting with your emotions. A lot of the times, at least our society, we're very, solution driven in the sense that okay something happened what is the next step mm. but what if we just sit with that emotion mm -hmm. what if we don't try to find some sort of justification for how we feel and how and looking at the next steps again not to blame um, but the way in which we're living right now the pace of it is too fast for our bodies for anyone and we see that through stress, through mental health conditions, through degradation of our relationships as well, and also mm -hmm. our places. I think if we just give that time to ourselves to pause, like at the beginning of the episode, before you dive in, give yourself that time to actually sit with that emotion, to acknowledge it or that moment or the series of moments. We've been conditioned to not do that. So we can continue working away underneath these systems and institutions. But I think we can, we can try to tell ourselves to outgrow that sort of toxic working model and just to focus on being a human because humans feel emotions. Yeah. <laughs> humans are allowed to cry. Humans yes. are allowed to feel angry or upset. All of those emotions are valid. And the way in which we express them, they should be in a healthy way, which we will soon find out um, later on, you know, how can we express ourselves in ways that are healthy for ourselves, but also for our relationships. But yeah, I think that's just the first step to healing to actually understand that anything you feel is valid. And whatever you do with that, that can happen later on. <laughs> but right now, you just need to focus on how you're feeling right now. Yeah. Yeah, it took me a, a long time to not try to fix my feelings, make it better. I still, I still struggle with that, and and something that I've been, I've been learning is that it's also okay to struggle with it. I did this meditation two days ago, and it was sharing how you say "I love you" to all the parts of yourself, um, whether it's like your back pain or your stress or your resistance to letting go and it's funny because we when we talk about self-acceptance we think it's supposed to be this like positive thing right like it's like oh I love yeah <laughs> it's like I love my body you know but you don't say like oh I love like I love you even though like I love you inner critic and and when you say that that changes your relationship with pushing that part away and that part's okay too because yeah, we're not we're not like these spiritual like gods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're here we're here on this earth right now. 
we've talked about so much in this episode, like you said. One of our problems is trying to fit in everything. <laughs> and we don't have to. We can talk again later. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, definitely. Uh, but just to kind of wrap up the episode, in terms of you kind of talked about sitting with your emotions, how can we start to view what is seen by society as unwanted emotions or unnecessary or negative the emotions that you should suppress particularly as women and children mm. how can we start to actually see those emotions as valid and tell ourselves that because we're human we're allowed to feel those um just to give a reference you with your instagram community you talk quite a lot about sacred rage Previously in this podcast, I've discussed the importance of expressing anger through the gendered lens. So seeing how women have traditionally mm. been, women and girls have traditionally been um, conditioned to suppress that and how that affects every part mm. of our living. But since we're talking about inner child work, it would be really insightful if you could help us kind of understand why labeling rage or to label it as sacred is important mm. and what that means for our inner child who perhaps has been told or had been told to just suppress that anger or to suppress any sort of emotion which is seen as negative um, by the adults in our lives. Yeah, I like that you connected that one emotion is really connected to all the other emotions because when we suppress one, it really means that we're suppressing the other ones as well. So I, I, would, I would share that with everyone listening. If you don't feel comfortable connecting with your anger at first, that's okay too. And you can try to focus on a different feeling if that's more comfortable. But anger is actually something that I really focused on with my therapist the past year because a lot came up last year in 2021 um, with the Asian hate crimes, you know, and particularly when, when there was an incident with Asian women as well. And, and that, that really triggered something inside of myself that I was just like, wow, there's this part of me that I have never let myself express. And I noticed that when it comes to feeling quote unquote, more difficult emotions, what I really needed to give myself was, was the space to feel it. The space to feel and pause and, and not move on so quickly. As I'm speaking right now, I'm like, oh, do I give an example? Should I have an exercise? I'm not sure yet. And I'll give myself some space to think about that too. Yeah, I just feel like in our everyday, we, we move on really quickly. We move on really quickly. And so the next time you feel this discomfort inside of yourself, whether it's in your stomach, because that's where we hold a lot of emotions or your chest, just pause and ask, what, what are you trying to tell me here? And if there's no one else that's going to listen to you, at least you can listen to yourself. And if you're afraid, you, you feel afraid to feel that because in the past it was not safe to, that, or you're punished if you felt that or you showed that, you can tell yourself that it's okay for you to feel right now. I want to get to know you better. And even if it takes time, I will be here to listen to you. Yeah. And, and just really play around with that wording for yourself. What resonates? And I feel like that's the beginning of being in touch with your inner child. And that's the beginning of being in touch with any emotion, really on top of sacred rage. The reason why the term sacred rage really um, resonated with me was my friend Kuan Yin. She's actually the one who, who uh, introduced me to that. But there's always this like bad association with rage. And the reason why there's that bad association is actually what we normally see as anger is the discharge of anger. It's actually the fear of anger. When we yell at people, when we throw things, when we say vicious words back at them and want to hurt the other person, it's because we're afraid of sitting with our anger. 
And I notice this when someone says something that hurts me and I want to just throw it back at them. And I realize like, oh, like, oh my goodness. I don't know if I can swear on the podcast. <laughs> be like, oh shit, you know, I'll be like, oh shit. You know, like I am afraid of really feeling that hurt and really feeling that feeling. And so instead of really sitting with that, I'm just going to be like, well, like, fuck you too, you know? But instead, when I sit with it, I'm just like, wow, I, I really didn't want that person to treat me that way. I really don't want to be treated that way. And, and from there, I can assess if this is a safe enough situation for me to share with that person what I really need. And I, I did this with my mom, actually, <laughs> like a while back. She said something and I felt disregarded. And, and I just felt this like, oh, you know. I'm so angry. Like, I hate you. And, and I sat with it. And then I, I told her, Hey, mom, like, I really wanted you to listen to me then. And um, I feel myself, you know, choking up a little because those are the things I wanted to say to her as a kid, but I didn't have the words to say it, but I can say it as an adult now. And, and so, um, yeah, one of the, the biggest things that is a practice really is asking yourself, how, how can I how can I feel this a bit more deeply? And also, is it safe for me to feel it more deeply? And another question could be, like, how could I feel more safe to feel this more deeply too? Yeah. Thank you so much for this conversation, Tiffany, and for allowing yourself to be vulnerable. I've always wanted this space to feel safe for my guests and for my listeners as well, and to be transparent to be open is the biggest thing you can do for yourself. A lot of the times we feel the negative consequences of that, particularly when we're around people who aren't on that healing path or that stage yet where they can respect that somebody is being vulnerable, respect their vulnerability. And for you to do to that is, is something that is very, like we feel very grateful for that. So thank you so much for you know, your time, your wisdom, and also sharing your vision for the world. It requires a lot of healing, but that healing needs to be collective uh, for us to see that change. So thank you, because this, <laughs> I'll keep <laughs> saying thank you. <laughs> I accept, I accept. Inner child work is foundational to every single part of healing. That's something that I've always believed in. I think this conversation really holds opportunity for us to look back at our foundational stages of our life and to see how we can learn from the good things or the good experiences we had, but also the painful ones that we don't want to confront again a lot of the time. Just seeing your work and inspiring people to actively heal that child, even through rest and and through play is is really motivating and I think I needed that today especially because I've started to actually sit with some of the most uncomfortable emotions and um, thoughts I've had mm. so this this conversation was really timely and yeah it's just really important for my journey as well and I hope that the listeners can connect as well yeah of course I just want to say I'm so proud of you for doing that. It takes a lot of bravery, honestly. It can be very scary sometimes. So go at your own pace. And I would love to talk again more and yes. maybe even share like a bit deeper about self-parenting and how we can have those conversations inside of ourselves while feeling safe too. Yeah, but this was wonderful. And I, I love that we bounce off each other. And we I can tell we both love to think about the big picture too so yeah i appreciate it and thank you everyone for listening too thank you for listening to the mindful of everything podcast if this episode resonated with you please support the podcast by giving a rating on whichever podcast platform you use and share the podcast within your community to extend listenership to those who also connect to the content. Visit mindfuloveverything.com to access Tiffany's website, Instagram community, and episode resources. <laughs>